Hey, what's up everyone? Dave here. Welcome to episode 65 of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. On today's episode, I am talking to Tony Lloyd about his transition from senior corporate role to pursuing a life of more meaning and more purpose. Tony is a, a TEDx speaker. He's also a fellow podcaster um, and he helps people now to or social entrepreneurs to find their their purpose and help them to have the impact that they want to have in the world. Um, we also talk about how you can find your purpose, how you can find your meaning and how you can get started in having your own impact. Um, so if that's something you're interested in pursuing, and I know uh, a growing number of people do want to have more impact, more meaning, then um, I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. Tony's very knowledgeable and been on a great journey and spoken to, to many different people in this field so I think you get a lot out of it. Uh, remember if you do enjoy this episode please remember to subscribe, uh, to leave us a comment and to share with your friends because it really helps us to reach more people uh, and with that let's get on with the show. Have you ever questioned why it is that some people seem to have everything they could ever wish for? Health, wealth, love and happiness, but others seem to lack all of these things. Why is it the small minority manage to achieve greatness, but the vast majority fail to reach even beyond mediocrity? What are this small minority doing differently to everybody else? It can't just be down to circumstance, billionaires rise out of poverty. Those questions have been in my head my whole life. And a couple of years ago, I decided to stop wondering and start searching for the answers so that I could help more people achieve greatness in their own lives. So join me and follow along as I uncover the secrets of the minority that the majority aren't taught so that you can apply them to your own life to achieve your own greatness and live the life you want and deserve. My name is David Bell and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Tony, welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, David. Oh, well, you're more than welcome. I've been really, like, we've just been talking a bit before we start recording this, and I've been really excited about having this conversation because your story very much resonates with me, and your mission very much resonates with me, and you know the whole thing behind Pocket Mastermind and and finding purpose and meaning and fulfillment in life. Um, so let's start really with your own journey because a bit like me you come from a corporate background and that you've gone through a period of transition I guess I would, I would call it um, yeah. to doing what you're doing now so talk a bit about what you do now and then what led you to be doing that right right so I'm an author a speaker a business coach and uh, a podcaster like you and uh, you know I have I kind of live this thing that uh, I think it's I can't think of who said this, but it's called a portfolio life, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you ask me what I do, I just named four things that I do. You know, my, my business coach would tell me, get it down at, at least three when you introduce yourself because <laughs> people like threes instead of fours. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of what happens is like you, I'm kind of putting people in the funnel, right? So they come along and they find me either through my book, 
uh, or they'll find me through my website or they'll find me through the podcasts that I produce. And, uh, and they'll just sort of become interested because everything I talk about, I talk about being a change maker, right? Mm -hmm. That, that we can go from idea to innovation, to impact. And I'm all about the impact. I, I care most about the impact. Uh, but th there's this chasm sort of from the idea to creating a new innovation to creating the impact. And, and so that's where I help people, right? I help people who are maybe they're frozen and frustrated because they have this giant idea. And they're trying to figure out how to get this thing off the ground, or they've launched some kind of new innovation, and they're and they're just like trying to get the legs under it and get this thing moving, uh, or they're you know they've got the innovation going, but they they aren't quite getting the impact that they mm -hmm. want to have. So so you know I almost picture a bridge from that idea to the innovation, the innovation to the impact. Uh, and whether they start with I want to have this impact, or I have this innovation, or I have this idea you know, I can work with them in, in, the, in the, any of those directions. So, so that's what I do today. Do you want me to pause or you want me to go on to how I yeah, got you, here? Yeah. How did, yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's like you say, the portfolio and, and you, the podcasting, the author, the speaking, and that, you know, I've seen your, your TEDx talk at Duke, um, from 2018, I think it was, uh, I recommend everybody go and watch that cause it's fantastic talk. Um, and it'll cover a lot of what we, I think we're going to talk about today, but I'm really interested. How do you, you went, you, you went from a, you had, you were, like me, right? You had a corporate background and then you end up on a TEDx stage. What was the, <laughs> where was the bit in between? Yeah, I'm on a TEDx stage telling everybody why maybe the corporate background isn't the right thing. Exactly, right? yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, um, so I, I had this very technical consulting background back, you know, like 150 years ago. And, uh, you know, the earth was still cooling and we were riding dinosaurs to work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then that led into sort of a training people in this technical background, which brought in an interest of how do people really learn, mm -hmm. which was cool. And I was, uh, you know, an instructional designer for a while and and then uh, it was like, well, it's not just about how we learn, it's about how we perform. And so um, I had this period of time, this technical consulting role, and then this other kind of consulting role uh, that's called human performance improvement. And it's really about how do you, uh, you know, people are, let me try that again. Big companies have these training departments. Mm -hmm. And so they'll come to them and they say, I have a training problem. And so the, so the training department will, put on a training program, right? Yeah. But does that really improve performance? So I got really interested in how do you improve human performance? And I was helping major corporations to transition from, you know, thinking of their training department as training to thinking of them as a human performance improvement organization. And how do you make that transition? Um, and then I was doing that kind of work with John Deere, who is a, you know, they're a global manufacturing, uh, agriculture, mm -hmm. construction, consumer um, uh, products. And so, you know, fantastic, amazing organization. They recruited me in as an employee, which, you know, I, honestly, at first, David, I wasn't even sure I wanted to come out of the cold, right? You know, <laughs> do, do you really, you know, when you're running your own shop, you're running your own shop. And if you mm -hmm. want to be at, you know, uh, a restaurant at Thursday at two, then that's where you're at, as opposed to in this meeting where you're deciding what kind of meetings you need, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so, um, but I did go in with John Deere and it was a great 
beginning of a new chapter of my career. And so I went from manager to director. I um, went to another company where I was a global head of learning and development. I went to another company where I was a director of leadership development. And then eventually I was a vice president of organization and team effectiveness. So how do you how do you create a more efficient organization? How do you create more effective teams? And um, but as I rose up through the ranks from manager to director to vice president, you know, the closer you get to the top, you know, the phrase is, um, you get to see how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> yes, you, you start saying, we're making these choices and trade-offs. And every time there's a trade-off between um, shareholders, the people who own shares of the company, and everybody else, the shareholders always win. Yes. And so I began to wonder, is that really a sustainable business model? And I recognized that a lot of those shareholder only decisions weren't in alignment with my personal values. So, uh, you know, one of the things, and David, you have this corporate background, so you understand this. One of the things that happens is the higher up you go in an organization, the more of your compensation is tied to your bonus. Mm -hmm. It's not just your base compensation, that's just, you know, that's just pocket change, but the bonus can be huge. And they often have this thing called a waterfall or a cascading bonus where you're three years out. So you've earned the bonus, but you don't collect it unless you're still there three years later. And so when you're at that level and you walk away from an organization, you are walking away from a chunk of change. Uh, But eventually I had to, you know, I had to, I just said, this isn't what I'm supposed to be here on earth to do. And so I have to go do something else. And I, you know, I left my corporate job. I gave them literally a two-day notice. I said, today oh I am leaving. <laughs> and so, and so I, I, I just left. And, uh, you know, my wife supported me on that. She just, you know, she, she recognized that it was the right thing to do. Thank God I had a good partner in my life. Um, and so we figured it out. Um, you know, and, and, and it's really funny before we started recording, I just said to you the other day, I said to you a few minutes ago, um, that one of our podcasts is in the top 1% of all downloaded podcasts in the world, which is just this amazing thing, but it is a five year overnight success. You know, I've been in that boat rowing pretty hard against the waves. <laughs> but it's you worth know, it. It's worth it is it. worth it. It is worth it. So anyway, I've I, I babbled on too long. I'll let you jump in there. No, I think um, I think it's interesting. What do you think at that moment when you were when you left or, you know, in the time leading up to leaving? Yeah. What was it that was niggling? in the back of your mind? Cause I think you're probably, you know, I, you, what your story resonates massively with, with how I was feeling in, in, in a similar position. And, and I'm sure, you know, from my conversations when I was in my corporate job and with, you know, the friends and network and all that kind of people, I know a lot of people have a niggle in the back of their mind. Yeah. Yeah. No idea what to do about that. So right. what, what was that for you? And then what, what was the next steps like because you've gone through this career and then you've done the two-day leave right (laughs) what happens then (laughs) yeah yeah well first of all it was a bit of a train wreck 
right? <laughs> you know, I, I will not tell you that I leapt off the cliff and suddenly grew wings and flew away, right? I, I hit a few rocks on the way down, you know, before I really found my uh, wings and, and started to take off a little bit. But, um, you know, there's a couple of things. So, you know, there is some people are motivated by moving away from, and some people are motivated by moving to. And, and so I was a little bit of both. Um, you know, uh, the moving away from, I recognize that my values and, you know, and, and that, you know, I'm not a big fan of this idea that corporations are evil, right? That, that, you know, the, the people running corporations are just evil people and that, you know, they're all evil. I, I'm not a big fan of that idea because I was in that corporation and I wasn't evil. So, you know, I mean, there are really good, decent human beings trying to do the right thing. And, the way that they're set up, and especially with their legal fiduciary responsibility, they they have very little maneuvering room yeah. in order to disappoint shareholders, and and so there is this tremendous pressure. And I was moving away from that system. I said there has to be a better way, um, and I was moving toward. Uh, an idea called social entrepreneurship. And so social entrepreneurship, you know, it's interesting that phrase is used in different ways in different countries. Mm. Um, you know, I talked to a friend of mine from the UK and I said, you know, social enterprise or social entrepreneur. And he goes, oh yeah, those are fancy charities. Mm. It's like, well, that's not exactly how I think about it, right? So so they they make a dollar in support of making a difference. They make money in support of their mission. And so that was a really interesting idea for me. And, and I began to pursue that pathway of how do we, you know, how do we sell something or share something or staff or source in a way that our business model will help us to generate revenue that then has a social impact. And, and so I was very intrigued by this idea and I went to pursue it and sort of have built a career around that. Is uh, I'd say um, something that I read. I don't know whether you, you must have probably read this book, Richard Branson's "Screw Business as Usual," yeah. um, some years ago, and I think that was at that time it impacted me quite a lot when I was reading through that because I think the vision of business is seen very black and white. It's either very capitalist or yeah. it's non-profit, right. and I see so many people that want to make a difference default to setting up a non-profit and treading away and never never getting anywhere with it because it's a non-profit right whereas i think the social entrepreneurship the conscious capitalism right. model seems to be a far more sustainable and productive way forwards that benefits most parties there's nothing wrong with making money that's what we we got to survive right you know right. then you shouldn't have to then be in a situation where to do good means you suffer or the other people involved somehow suffer to be able to provide a benefit for somebody else it should be a a win-win scenario in my in my opinion right right yeah um you know i can give you several examples of companies that are doing this but uh, you know I wasn't attracted to nonprofit work. First of all, you don't get paid much when, mm -hmm. exactly. when you're in a nonprofit. <laughs> and honestly, you know, I kind of like to eat. It's a it's a good thing to do. You know? Yeah, and, sleep uh, under a roof works as well. Under a roof, that's very helpful to me. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I wasn't attracted to that model. And and there are there are places where that is the perfect model. 
right? So, you know, when there is an earthquake in Haiti, yes. I don't want somebody to say, hey, I'm going to go profit from all this. And, uh, you know, I can't help anyone unless there's a profit motive. I, I want to give to the International Red uh, Red Cross and Red Crescent Society. And I want them to to do that. And I don't want there to have to be a business model for that to happen. So, the, so it has its place. And yet, you know, someone will come to me and they'll say, I have a nonprofit and we're feeding hungry kids or we're, you know, we are doing all these things. Um, please give me some money. And I go, okay, here's some money. And they go and they buy some food and they give it to a hungry kid. And then they come back and they go, could you give me some more money? Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but at some point, you know, I'm working for a company where I, you know, it's like soul sucking work in order to make money in order to go give that money to somebody else so that they can go do something kind of cool. So isn't there a business model where we can make a profit with purpose? And that, and that's the space I'm very interested in. So talk a bit about, um, a biz, give it, I think you mentioned there, there are some examples and you, and you give, you give a few in the, in the TEDx talk as well. Yeah. But I think really bring that concept to life for how, how does that model work in practice? Yeah. So uh, I'll say a couple of things. And you mentioned this before we started recording um, that um, I use this phrase in one of my TED Talks where I said, the way we spend our time is the way we spend our life. Right. And uh, you mentioned that that resonated with you because that that makes a lot of sense because uh, and the study that I cited in that TEDx talk was um, that they found that for, for Americans anyway, and it's probably not that different in the UK or Australia or anywhere else, um, that about 36% of our weekday is spent either asleep or in personal grooming. So you go to bed, you get up, you brush your teeth, you comb your hair, you're on your way to work, right? Um, and then about 37% of your time is spent at work or in work-related activities, which means that two-thirds of your life during a work week is either you're either asleep or you're at work. And so the people that I talk to, they, they want to live a life of purpose and meaning. And so you have to figure out a way to bring purpose and meaning to that work part. You're not going to bring it to your sleep, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I find sleep meaningful. It's very good for me. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's better than not sleeping. Um, and yet the place I can really make an impact with my life is in that work life. And so, um, you know, I'll give you four examples here real quickly. And, it, and it's based on uh, what you sell or what you share or how you staff or how you source. And so, um, one of them is uh, what you sell. So recently I interviewed somebody named uh, uh, Sebastian Saju, and he has a company called Arclight. And what they do is they capture unrecyclable plastic and they turn it into a smart gravel, which is a lightweight plastic gravel that is highly valued by the construction industry. Hmm. So the construction industry says we need some kind of gravel that it's it's lighter to transport. Um, it is locally sourced. It's made from recycled materials. So we get LEED certification credits. It has better thermal insulation properties and it has better sound insulation properties. And so the more of this unrecyclable plastic that Sebastian and Arclight take out of the waste stream and the more of that smart gravel they produce, 
the more of an impact they have. So the more of what they sell, the, if they, the more of, let me try that one more time. The more that they sell, the bigger the impact they have. And then uh, Susan Elwer is somebody I really like. She has a company called Spoonful Apparel. And, and Susan was a preschool teacher. Um, and she was in a classroom. And one of the other teachers pulled her aside. And she said, you see that little boy over there? We're in the, we just finished the first quarter of school. And he has not eaten lunch one time. And so Susan was just really moved by that. Mm -hmm. And so she went and first thing she did was she went home and made a sandwich, right? Because, you know, let's feed a kid. But it's, it's like that, that nonprofit model. You know, I go home, I make a sandwich, I give it to a kid. I go home, I make a sandwich, I give it to a kid. So she thought, how do I, how do I grow this bigger? How do I make a bigger impact? So she started this company. It's called Spoonful Apparel. And they have these t-shirts with inspirational slogans. And the more of those they sell, they take half of their profit and they share it with a food bank and they feed hungry kids with that. So they, they make a, an impact by what they share. Um, there's, a, there's a company here in, I'm in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And there is a sandwich shop here. It is a grilled cheese sandwich shop. And so first of all, you have my attention when you say yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sandwiches. It's like, yeah. And they have all these different variations on it. They put jerk chicken in some, they put, wow. you know, just all these different really cool sandwiches that they make. Um, but what they do is they hire people who were formerly incarcerated. So people who are coming out of the prison or jail system who have a hard time finding a job mm -hmm. and they train them in culinary skills and they employ them. So by how they staff, they make a bigger impact. And then the last one I'll mention is how they source. Uh, there's a woman here uh, in town called Lee Wallace, and she runs a company called Peace Coffee, P-E-A-C-E, -E, Peace Coffee. Their, their origin story was they were a nonprofit working in agriculture. So they went to Central America. They were working with farmers, and they said, how can we help, right? Do you need more fertilizer, better irrigation, better tools? And they said, honestly, if you want to help us, you would buy our coffee. Like, you know, we're, we're selling it at pennies on the dollar. If you could give us a fair trade price, that would help us so much. And so um, they're like, well, that's, that's not what we do, right? We're, we are a nonprofit and we don't buy coffee. We, you know, we help you with these other things. So the people go home. A few weeks later, they get this phone call from the port of Los Angeles. And they said, um, we have 38,000 pounds of coffee beans on a pallet with your name on it, where would you like us to deliver it? And so those scrappy little farmers said, oh yeah, you don't buy coffee, let's find out. So, so, so now this nonprofit has all this coffee. And, uh, and so they, they sold the coffee and they paid the farmers and the farmers shipped them more and more and more. And this thing has been going on now. So last year they uh, purchased 735 pounds of coffee from 12 countries and 20 smallholder farmers. So the way that they source is the way they make their impact. So, the, you know, there are all these different business models around what you sell, what you share, how you staff, how you source that can make a huge impact. I think that's a very they're very good examples because yeah i think i don't know whether it's you know it's conditioning because the way we see as 
giving back generally is some kind of donation right rather than than a business model and i think you know for when when a lot of people think about social entrepreneurism and like we talked about previously it becomes around non-profit which means giving some kind of donation to sustain some kind of effort rather than necessarily you know how, how products are sourced or who benefits from the sale of those products and how or you know is there is there an environmental and a human benefit there's there's so many different ways of you know creating as you the, the word you use quite a lot is is impact and i think that's a it's a great word of how do you measure what you're doing what what has been the impact of what you what you're doing and i think you know when we talk about the the unrest that you feel when you're in you know for me in that corporate world and for yourself as well was there was no impact there was yeah. the feeling that i was going to work and it made zero difference to the world whatsoever so what right. was what was the point and right. i think a lot of people I, I i my hypothesis is that the most people have some sense of that somewhere in in their life as well you know right, most right. of the, most corporate jobs let's face it are not particularly fun or fulfilling and we end up in them through some route or or, or other right so it's not most people are not in a job job where they're when they were a kid someone said hey what do you want to be when you grow up and they named the job they're doing right <laughs> so right right so the so question for you really is like what's the starting point if you're in that position like you know you 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 took the leap of faith and and went and learned is the you know how if someone's in that position now what would your advice be to them as a as a way to start understanding you know what they how in their own mind what they want to achieve or what they want to do and 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 start making steps towards creating more fulfillment right right so i i would start with what is the thing in the world that breaks your heart Right. So what is the thing that calls to you? And it could be not just breaks your heart. It could be something that inspires you. Mm -hmm. Right. So you might look at Kiva.org or you might look at Warby Parker who makes, uh, you know, they, they sell glasses uh, or, you know, prescription glasses. And when you buy some, then somebody in another country gets prescription glasses. And, and so there are all these different uh, business models that are out there. So maybe you're inspired by something or maybe it's something that breaks your heart. Maybe it's homeless youth in your neighborhood. You know, there's a, there's a guy named Julius Ibrahim who is in uh, London. He, ha he has second shot coffee. And where that idea came from was he was at university and he would walk outside and he would find people rough sleeping in the street. And so he, he's like, why is that? So he got really curious about it and he began to sort of explore what's happening. He began to realize that almost everybody is about two paychecks away from being out on the street. And, uh, and so he, he came up with a plan. So, you know, start with what is that thing that you see that breaks your heart and whether that's, you know, homelessness or it's uh, hunger or it is uh, clean water or it is, you know, whatever that thing might be. Um, so find something that inspires you or something that breaks your heart. So it starts from within um, and then start thinking about what are your unique strengths and gifts that you bring to the table. And, and, you know, for me, um, I did not know that I would be a podcaster or that I would write a book or that whatever, but I did have some skills, right? So I knew how to talk to people. I knew how to listen to people. Um, so, 
you know, I, I was able to tap into some strengths that I brought. I'm, I'm very bold, by the way, too. So my first asks for people to come on the show, I was just like hammering people that were not, not hammering. I wasn't sending multiple emails, but I would just not be afraid to ask anybody. And uh, a lot of people that I admire said yes. <laughs> they just came on the show. And then I was like, well, who else would you recommend? Oh, you should talk to this person. And that's how I got started, right? So, um, you know, think about what are your unique gifts. And, and, and so that, that thing that breaks your heart and, that, and your particular uh, core strengths, they become your, your strength, the thing that will pull you through, your purpose that pulls you through. Um, so, so that is, you know, just some places to start, but when I, you know, so, so I'm going to preach to the choir here for a second. So David, you already know how to launch a business, right? So you, you want to clarify your vision. You want to start there. And so who do you serve? Um, what is their problem? How do you solve it? And then what's the larger impact that you want to have? Um, and then after you clarify your vision, then you want to start putting some things on your calendar. So I talk about calendaring your strategic activities. You know, one of the things I found when I first left my corporate world was I had 10,000 tactics and no strategy. So, mm -hmm. you know, somebody said you should put on webinars. So I put on webinars. Somebody said you should write a book. So I wrote a book, you know, somebody said, and so I like, had all these tactics and absolutely no strategy that tied them together. So if you start with that vision about who do you serve, what's your problem, how do you solve it? And then the larger impact, then you can put things on your calendar, like what's on your, what's your one-year plan, your 90-day plan, your 30-day plan. And you talk about this a lot, your daily habits that, mm -hmm. that build on all that. And then you may have places where you need to close your skill gap. And to close your skill gap, it, you can do it one of two things. You could figure out how to gain some skills. I knew nothing about website building and all that other stuff when I first launched. Um, so you can close your skill gap by learning things, or you can close your skill gaps by figuring out what you need to outsource, or you can close your skill gap to say, do I need a partner? Maybe, you know, I'm strong at marketing. Maybe I need a technical co-founder. Maybe I need something else. So, so finding either, you know, within yourself, within the marketplace or within a partner, another set of skills to help you close the gap. And then creating an optimized environment um, so I talk to people about not just their physical environment, which is important. If you aren't set up for success physically, you're not going to make it. But then also your people environment, who are you hanging out with? You are the average of the five people you mm -hmm. hang out with the most, right? And your ideas environment. And you talk about this a lot too, about what are you reading right now? Who, where are you getting your information? You know, are you getting up in the morning and doom scrolling your way through Twitter? Or are <laughs> exactly. you feeding your mind, right? <laughs> Um, and then curating a masterful mindset because uh, success is an inside job. It, it, it's, it's the inner work that matters the most. 90% of success is inner work. So, so those are the main things, you know, clarify your vision, calendar your strategic action, close your skill gaps, create an optimized environment and curate a masterful mindset. Beautifully put. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely they resonate so so strongly with me and you know that last bit you touch on the the mindset piece is is so so fundamentally key because everything that we our entire experience of this life is internal it's so you know it feels like it's outside but it, really 
everything is internal feeling how you process every experience every experience is neutral you know really it's just how our own interpret the meaning that we place on on things right so and when you step outside you know certainly i found you step outside of the kind of the safety of the corporate world there's a lot more moving parts and <laughs> things are not going to go like you expect you know I, I don't know about you but the number of times I've sat down with my my goals for the day and I get to the end of the day and because something didn't quite work out the way I thought it was going to do or something took longer to learn than I thought it was going to learn you know 50% or 100% of the things on my list didn't get done that day and you right. kind of got to get used to uh expecting things not to work out quite the way you think they will and also learn and adapt of how you then plan going forwards you know my evil i've been a big big uh, proponent of kind of planning for quite some time since reading napoleon hill think and grow rich was the thing that really kind of changed the way i approached my life right and that's what really inspired me to really to, to try and help other people you know the things i i really found the things that hold most of us back or, or put us into a position you know the guy you said about in london where you know most people are two paychecks away from uh homelessness is because we're not taught the skills and we're not very good at going out and finding the skills for ourselves of right. how do we manage money how do we manage our feelings and our emotions you know because right. all of this is fundamental how do we even set goals you know most people that you know i found over and over again in my corporate world when people that worked for me i'd say you know, what, what What do you want to achieve next? And they say, well, it depends what the opportunities are. And I realize that most of us don't have any form of plan whatsoever. So it's so, for me, this mission has all been about how do you, you know, help people change, you know, improve, change their mindset, open the, vi- open the vision to what's possible. Um, and I think in this conversation in particular, really, really links in because I think that feeling of, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not delivering a purpose. I'm not delivering a, uh, you know, a, a fulfillment. I've got, there's no reason to it, but the alternative is another job where the, 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 you know, likely to be another outcome. And I think shining a light on actually social entrepreneurialism or conscious, and you don't even actually have to be the social entrepreneur, right? right there are, right, you right. could go and work for a, an organization that has that mission. And I think that's right. an important part to realize because, you know, not everyone listening to this right now has a burning desire to go on the entrepreneurial journey because it's not easy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's certainly, you know, yeah. you might want to, you might want to edge your way into it is, is what yeah, I'd say. The, uh, in the old days, the old cartographers would put on the edge of the map where they didn't know what else was out there. They would say, there be dragons, right? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes where we don't know what what we're going to run into, it, it's kind of like that, you know. The, some of the people I have interviewed, and you've probably heard this too, it, they have had some harrowing stories of just near death experiences mm-hmm. on their entrepreneurial journey. And uh, one, one CEO told me he said, um, uh, the, "My job is to spot." and to deal with the next existential crisis that's coming into my company because there's something out there that's going to try to kill us. And (laughs) I have to just see it before it gets here and I have to work ahead in order to make sure it never reaches our shores. So yeah, I mean, um, you're right. I I think that there's really three ways to find purpose and meaning in your life. 
And we said we have to bring it to our work. So there's three ways you can do that. One is you can figure out what is the purpose of meeting I already have. Mm-hmm. You know, if I am a janitor and I am, you know, sweeping floors and wiping things down, I could see that as lowly work, or I could see that as, you know what, in a time of COVID-19, I am providing cleaning and sanitation and hygiene services for this company, and it is a critical, essential piece mm-hmm. of work. Um, so you could find meaning that it already exists within your organization. You can find work for someone else that has meaning and purpose, as you mentioned. You don't have to be the founder of the company. You might be the new you know, head of marketing, or you might be doing social media for them, or you might be you know, running some other kind of campaign for them, uh, or you can start something yourself. And so I work with people in all of those situations, as I'm sure you do. So yeah, there, there's more than one way to to do this. Yeah, I th- that that what you just mentioned there, you know, finding the meaning in what you currently do was a stepping stone that I also took. You know, and I started to really feel kind of disconnected from what I was doing. I then I started to think, well, how do I find? And actually, it was Simon Sinek, his books that helped me yeah. reframe what I was doing into rather than being the job description that was on the piece of paper it's actually what does that deliver so you know we talk around the you know I found that lots of people didn't have a plan or a purpose in their own or you know any any direction in their own life I took it upon myself actually it was to help people in my organization find and build the plan for themselves so they had a bit more control over their future destiny rather than it just being I'm running this department and this team right. or whatever. So, right. you know, I think that's, <clears throat> it's, 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 it's an important reframing that everybody can do in the short term so that you do, you, you can, you can feel like there is a point to what you're doing and then look at what does the, what's the bigger picture of your, your life look like? This is something I, I talk about quite a lot is people say, I don't really know what I want to do. And I want to think about what does your life look like if you could click your fingers now and paint a picture of your your life who's in your life where do you how do you spend your time you know back to your 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 line and and the the quote from you in your your ted talk of how you spend your your time is how you spend your life and it absolutely it is you know you talk about in that talk as well the our work-life balance it's a it's kind of a it's a nonsense thing right because there's no separation we've got these these false partitions that we've built up in our in our lives and it's all one thing so finding painting that picture in your in your mind of what does your life look like and then you start to understand well where's the gap and start to fill that gap in right exactly who before we before we kind of wrap up here i'm interested to know on your journey Who's been kind of the biggest inspiration for you? You know, I I, I mentioned like Richard Branson with his book and and um, Simon Sinek and co. And I'd be interested to know you've sp- obviously spoken to so many people along this journey since right. since you started it. I'd be interested to know who who's been the biggest inspirations to you. You know, here's here's the funny thing. I you know I've spoken to some people who are real leaders in this uh, in this kind of space that I'm in, and so. You know, I talked to uh, Bill Dayton, who runs Ashoka, and I talked to um, uh, Cheryl Dorsey, who runs Echoing Green, and Jessica Jackley, who launched uh, Kiva.org. And I, you know, and so these are amazing, fantastic people, and I do love them quite a bit, especially Jessica Jackley. She's got a whole new path she's on right now. Um, but it's been those little shop owners mm-hmm. that have meant the most to me. 
it's, you know, it's the people who they didn't build the mother of all inventions. They didn't go out and, and conquer the entire universe. They're, they're scaling their impact over time. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love the people who said, I, you know, I saw this thing. It broke my heart. I did this thing. I figured out how to sustain that. And now I'm scaling it over time. That's, those are the stories I really, really love. So I think the people I already mentioned, those are, those are great examples of the kind of people who inspire me. There's another question. I don't want to say subject because, again, interestingly, you know, the word success has so many different meanings. And I think, you know, whether there's a particular type of brand of success that is partic- that is uh, kind of publicized now. But I'd be interested to get your take on what does success mean to you? Yeah. You know, it is, it's such a good question. I, I think um, I went through this whole thing um, at the end of 2018, the beginning of 2019, where I was doing work that was very meaningful, but what I had done, what I had done, David, you may recognize this pattern. I had taken this crazy maniac work habit that I had as a Fortune 500 executive, and I just transposed it onto my own company. And so in my company, I was working 80 plus hours per week. You know, if somebody said, have a good weekend, I would think, what? What, <laughs> what weekend? weekend? What <laughs> I, is it is it really Friday? I didn't know. Or people would say, you know, thank God it's Friday. I used to say about my corporate life, you know, uh, it made me very religious because I would say, thank God it's Friday and oh my God, it's Monday. Right? Yes. So, but, but people would talk to me and when I'm running my own company, they were like, you know, hey, have a good weekend. And I'm like, I'm, I'm working all weekend. It's all the same to me. Mm-hmm. And I was burning myself out. And so by the end of 2018, I was really, I was depressed. I was anxious. I was really burnt out. And I had this false idea in my head by working on something meaningful it would sustain me over time. And it, it, it's a false idea. Um, so what I, it, I spent all of 2019 really sort of wrestling with this question, like, what is the purpose of life? Right? It's a small question to be answered. Right? <laughs> you know, what is the purpose of life? And so here's what I got to. I, I thought, you know, we are here on earth to connect with one another. And we're, we are literally wired to be social. It's why we have these big neocortex brains is to figure out social dynamics. So we're here on earth to connect. We are also here to make a contribution. We are here to contribute to the world. And your contribution and my contribution, they're going to look different. But here's the tricky bit. Before you can connect and before you can contribute, you have to practice self-care. So it's thrive, then connect, and then contribute in that order. So to me, if you are thriving, if you are connecting, if you are contributing, that's kind of like, that's it. That's the sweet spot. I love that. That's, um, you know, the, the, I think an analogy I've heard the links to that before is, you know, when you're on a plane and they do the safety briefing, right? They tell you to put your mask on first before helping right. anybody else. Because right. If you run yourself into the ground, and it was probably, I think it might have been Jim Rohn that probably said that, that I heard previously. But um, yeah, if you're if you're running yourself into the ground, you're no use to yourself and you're no use to anybody else. And you're certainly not going to deliver your, your mission. Right. Tony, 
I think we're coming to the end of the time, but um, I want to say thank you, a huge thank you for, for you coming and sharing your story. Is there anything, any other last points you'd like to share with anyone listening um, and also where people can track you down? Right, right. So um, uh, my, part of my problem is I can't figure out what website to land on. So let's just do this. <laughs> um, uh, my main my main website is tonyloyd.com, T-O-N-Y-L-O-Y-D.com. My last name is spelled with one L, which is always, it always trips people up. Uh, but if you just search for Tony Lloyd with one L, you're going to find me somewhere on online, but tonyloyd.com. If you go to tonyloyd.com, right in the middle of the page, there's a big green button and it's download the book. So people can download my book for free. Um, you know, if they want to go get a paper copy, they can go to Amazon or their favorite uh, online store and they can order it and it'll be at their house next week. Uh, but if they want just the electronic version of it, they can just go to TonyLoy.com, big green button and download. And it's called Crazy Good Advice, 10 Lessons Learned from 150 Leading Social Entrepreneurs. So it's, it's, it's what I heard them telling me about how to be successful at social entrepreneurship. If you don't mind, I'll just one more thing to plug. Um, if you go to cultureshift.com, C-U-L-T-U-R-E-S-H-I-F-T, cultureshift.com slash strategy, uh, I am giving away 25-minute strategy calls to people who say, you know what, I think I've either got an idea or I want to create a new innovation or I'm trying to make an impact and I could just use 25 minutes of your time. Um, they can just go there, sign up, fill up. There's a there's a form to fill out, and then they can sign up, and I'll uh, I'll walk them through a 25 minute strategy call. Amazing, Tony. Again, thank you very very much for giving up your time. Uh, and you know, there's links to this now. If you're listening, it's on on the website. Um, so go and go and connect with Tony there. Again, Tony, thank you very very much. Thank you, David. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes, head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It will really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes. So leave us a review, leave us a rating, hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends. Until next time, thank you again for listening.